I want to tell everyone happy Easter, you know, of course, and well, resurrection, yeah, because it really means S-star, I don't have time to get into all that today, but anyway, I'm so glad you're here this morning, and I'm so glad that you're worshiping the Lord together, and you know, I was thinking the other day about the burial and the death of the resurrection of Christ, you know, we're very unique as, as a Christianity concern, you know, you think about it, you look at other religions and other organizations, you know, and you realize, wow, how different, we take it for granted how different and unique Christianity really is, you know. And number one, the death of Christ, that was very unique in itself, and then the resurrection. You know, there's something that a lot of people don't have that we have. One, they don't have a Savior that takes away the sins of the world. You'll be surprised how many people, they had prophets, they had great moral men from different cultures and religions or whatever, but they didn't have the power or the resources to, to be a savior like Christ did. And when I heard a guy say that one time, he says, they don't, he was talking about world religions, and he says, you know, the only way Jesus said, I'm the only way, because he is the only way, you know, because he, he's the only one that had the power to take away sin like he did. And he's the only way. They don't have a savior that don't take away the sins of the world. They don't have it. So that's why Jesus said, I'm the way. And then another thing about the resurrection, we have an empty tomb. If you look at the other prophets, like, for example, if you go to Mecca right now, you know, there's a big old tomb for the great prophet Muhammad. You know, he's dead. And you look at Confucius, you know, you look at Buddha, you know, you look at all these great great men in history, even our own leaders, they're all dead. They're in their grave. You can go to Washington, D.C. right now and probably see George Washington's grave or Abraham Lincoln's grave, you know. But Jesus' tomb is empty. So we have a lot of, and we also got promises that comes with it. You know, when you believe on Christ and you believe in the death and resurrection of Christ, there's a promise that comes with it, eternal life and future kingdom with God. You know, one day there's going to be a new Jerusalem and a new heaven and a new earth, and that opens the door with the resurrection, the death of Christ. That opens the door for us to receive those promises. You know, like Dad said uh, the other day, I mean, this morning, I'm sorry, this morning, without the death and burial of Christ and the promises that comes with it, if without that, Christianity is a fake. In other words, we just, we just soon shut this door down of this church and any Christian church down because that is our foundation. That is our cornerstone. If you don't have the death and burial of Christ and all these other things I talk about, you're empty. You're just, you're, just hitting, you're just sitting here taking God's time and taking people's time. If we didn't have that as our cornerstone, if we didn't have that as our focus, you know, and that's what basically Christianity is based on, is based on that. Without the cross and without the resurrection, we have nothing, you know. And I want to make something clear that the cross and resurrection, and matter of fact, we're going to read the passage. There's something that I'm, I'm a, when I get to it, something that the angel told the women when they came to the tomb that I think is very, very interesting that I caught. But the resurrection and the cross, they're together. You know, I know it, it's sad because you hear a lot of people say, well, y'all have two salvations. Y'all believe in the cross and the resurrection. No, they're together. It's just like the Trinity. You know, you have the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, future message. I'll get to that. Me or daddy will get to that in the future. But there's three different persons. They have their own body. They have their own personality. But in mind, they're together. In thought and action, they're together. So it's the same thing with the death and burial of Christ. It's not two salvations. It's not even there are two 
different events that happen, but they're together. And matter of fact, if you read Apostle Paul, and Daddy quoted it this morning, if you read, uh, is it Galatians? Yeah, First Galatians, when he talked about the cross, he said, is the power of the cross. He says, not the wisdom of men, unless the cross of Christ be made of none effect. So Apostle Paul, through the Holy Spirit, he says the cross and the resurrection is our salvation. If you believe in those two great events, you know, you promise eternal life, you know. And Satan attacks at more than anything else. I noticed that if you look real carefully, Satan attacks on three fronts. He attacks Jesus himself, and he makes people like, well, Christ never existed, because he knows if Christ never existed, then there's no need for a Savior, number one. And he he attacks the, uh, the crucifixion and the resurrection a lot. You'd be surprised, I'm, I'm going to get to it later on, how so many people try to explain the resurrection away. You'd be surprised how that's out of anything in the Bible that's been attacked. So we're going to talk about that later. But another thing, too, I want to make clear that it's amazing how that God could have used any means to save a human being. You know, like I remember Pastor Mike when he was alive, he preached a message one time, and he, it still stuck to me. He said, you know, God could have took the gold, of, the gold, the silver of heaven. He could have took gold or silver. He could have purchased men with that. He could have sent it down from heaven and, and paid us all our ransom if he wanted. God could have done a million ways, but God chose the cross and the resurrection. So that's very important if he had means of other ways to do it. But if he choose this route, then you know it's very important. Like Apostle Paul says in it, through the Holy Spirit, he said, if Christ didn't raise, our faith is in vain. And he says, if the cross didn't happen, our, our faith is in vain as, as well. So we have to have those two as an object of faith. You know, there's some Christians and some organizations, you'd be surprised how they split over it. You know, like, for example, I won't stay too long on it, but like the word of faith. They believe that the cross was a defeat. The cross was a, a disaster for humanity. And they believe it's the resurrection that did it. You know, Jesus went down to hell. He fought with some demons, and they beat him up. And then the next thing you know, he got victory over hell and the devil. And at the same time, they're, they're, they're making the cross none effect. And then you got some, I was surprised, I was hearing a message the other day that they were like, well, we don't want to take away the resurrection and its meaning, but... You know, we don't want to take away the cross in this meeting. They don't fail to realize that the cross and the resurrection go together for salvation. So we want to make that clear. So why are we here today? Why, are we, why is the cross and the resurrection a big deal? You know, a lot of people's like, you know, mostly worldly people, like, what's the big deal of Christians honoring, you know, a man who died on the cross 2,000 years ago, a man who resurrected from the grave? I'm glad you asked. Now, I want to read you something. I think that's very pretty interesting. I was reading this track the other day, and I don't know why God was like allowing me to read it, but I see why now. This is talking about the cross right here. It says, just before he died, Jesus shouted, it is finished. The penalty for sins and all, man, all mankind has been paid in full. Not, now everybody can be saved by putting their faith in Jesus Christ. That's talking about the death of Christ. So when Christ died, he paid our sins, and by turn, we can now go to heaven. He paid our penalty. That's what the cross was there for. This is what the resurrection was there for. Jesus defeated Satan and conquered death and hell. So that's what the resurrection did. See, they go together. And if you put your faith in that and your trust in that, you, you'll be saved, you know. And it's just amazing how many groups and religions, they try. I, I want to get too much detail into it because that's future I'll talk about organizations and groups that do that. But sadly, most people, just like they add to the Bible, they add to the Word of God, 
they add to the death and resurrection of Christ for salvation. And that's very blasphemous. You're, you're hurting, like Paul says, you're making the cross not effect through your traditions. And Jesus told the Pharisees that you made the word of God not effect through your traditions. So people, like in their day, they add to the word of God. They're also people who add to the death and resurrection of Christ. And that's all you need. You don't need water baptism. You don't need the Lord's Supper for salvation. You don't need no sacraments for salvation. You just need to trust in the death and burial of Christ, and that will lead you home. So, you know, even if these things are great in themselves, you know, they point you to that. They're not salvation in themselves. So that's when you know right there if an organization, what they believe, if it's a cult or not. If you throw away the, both, your, your faith is in vain, like Apostle Paul said. So I want us to go to the book of Matthew this morning. Chapter 28, and when you're there, just let me know. It's very short, but it's very interesting. And just let me know when you're there. All right. Chapter 28, the first verse, it says, In the end of the Sabbath, as it was beginning to go down towards the, east, the first day of the week, called Mary Magdalene and the others Mary to see the subjecture. Now, I want to stop right there, for example. I did not know this, but you see, back in the day, with well, two things I never knew before. One I did, the other one I didn't. But Back at the time, the Jews, they had a Passover. So that means they couldn't do anything. That means that, according to the law, that they were not allowed to work at all. So this is one of the reasons why Mary Magdalene waited when she did, because according to the law of Moses, she couldn't do anything. And another thing, too, that I found out that was pretty interesting that I did not know. See, not all Jews believed in this, but there was a, the Jews, some Jews had this uh, superstition they believed that when a person died, some of them, that they believed that their spirit was hovering over their bodies. And so they believed that, wow, we have to wait until a few days until the body actually goes, the spirit goes back into the body at a certain time. So most people think that's another reason why Martha probably did what she did. That's just an interpretation, but it could have happened that way. And it says, behold, there, okay, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door, and he sat upon it. Now, this is pretty interesting right here. Now, like anything else, God could have done a million ways to do this. You know, but why he chose this route, why he chose an angel to come down like he did? Well, because if you look at the Bible, he's God. He can do anything. The Lord didn't really need an angel, per se, to, to open that, 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 that door. All he had to do was to speak it. The door could have broken half or, or it could have rolled by this. The word, by him just speaking the word, the stone could have rolled away. So why God and the Holy Spirit, they orchestrated this? Why an angel? Well, one of the thing is two. Well, well I'll give two reasons. One, to scare somebody. Because remember, there were soldiers guarding the tomb. Some of y'all know the story one way or another. There was military soldiers guarding that tomb. And when that angel came, I mean, these were pagans, but they still recognized the spiritual world. They still believed that they were God and goddesses. So in their mind, when they saw this angel, I mean, he came with a great continent. I mean, he came with power. When they saw him, they were like, 
oh, wow, this is a god or these are one of the gods in a pagan sensibility. So they knew even then these soldiers were tough. These soldiers, if you study Roman military, these people were really tough soldiers. These were like, they didn't play around, you know. They were military. They, 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 they were great strategists when it came to military stuff. So these guys did not play around. And mostly if they slept, you see, because we're going to read this later on, if a Roman soldier or a group of soldiers will sleep on the job, they were actually killed. So that's what makes this amazing right here. So you know these soldiers, when they saw this, they knew like, oh, wow, this is something supernatural. I mean, we can fight against men, but we cannot fight against the gods, you know, in their mind, and because these are pagans. So they said, like, we know we, we can't mess with the gods of the spiritual world. So this is what, that, and they, they pretty much ran, as we're going to read later on, but watch. And another thing, too, well, I believe the Lord allowed this angel to also, let me get to number two. I almost forgot about it. The reason why he did that, because he needed a witness and a testimony. Yep. He needed somebody to be an evangelist that day. You know, it's amazing. The two first evangelists, really, you think about it, in the Bible at this point, was an angel and some women. That was actually the two evangelists, really. Then us men, we came along after. It takes a little time for us, but we came after. But uh, anyway, but that was the two great evangelists. And so the Lord needed an angel there to, like, to be a witness. And when they came, he says, look, an empty tomb. And, like, you know, they would look like, he like, hey, look inside. And they're like, well, all we see is an empty tomb. Exactly, you're right. That's what I wanted you all to see. He was there because, see, they needed eyewitnesses. You see, the more eyewitnesses you have to a crime, it's not a crime, but the more eyewitnesses you have, the more better you can solve your case. So the angel was there. Led, the more people that came saw the tomb, the more evidence that they were there that they saw what happened. You know, a lot of people say, for example, a lot of your atheists or people who come against Jesus, they might tell you, well, how do you know if Jesus existed? I mean, you never saw him. And they're right. I mean, they're right at that point. But this is what you throw back at them. You say, okay, how do you know Abraham Lincoln existed? And they're like, well, no, you know, you know, when they, you start, people start talking like that, you know, you got them. They're like, they've caught mumbling, you know, they're like, oh, you know, I don't know, you know, there. So, and they say, okay, what about George Washington? Have you ever seen George Washington? They're like, oh, no, I've never seen George Washington, you know. Well, okay, how do you know Abraham Lincoln and George Washington existed? Well, there was eyewitnesses. They had accounts, you know, they. Like some men that were with George Washington at Valley Forge, and they wrote their experience, and there was a lot of people who were there. So, okay, it was the same thing with Christ. You see, we weren't there, but there was a bunch of eyewitnesses that was there and that testified. So that's how you know, because you can't really prove Alexandra or Abraham Lincoln or George Washington really existed. You can't, unless you go dig up their bodies, maybe. But the thing is, you can't really prove and in a natural way that they existed, you have to go by accounts. You have to go of eyewitnesses and stuff like that. So the Bible says the amount of two or three witnesses, all things should be established. So when it comes to eyewitnesses for doctrine, or in this case, the more eyewitnesses you have, the better. So this is what's going on. The angel was there to, to get as much eyewitnesses as he can so they can claim to the world that he risen from the dead. So verse 3. His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment white as snow. And he's about to talk to him. Fear, for fear of him, the, the keepers, talking about the guards, this shake and became as dead men. 
remember I was talking about earlier how the soldiers were there and they saw they trembled. Their bodies pretty much went in freeze when they saw this angel right here. And it says, uh, verse 5, And the angel answered and said unto the women, Do not fear, for I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. Now, this is the point I want to get. You know what I was saying earlier, how the cross and the resurrection go together? Well, this proves it right here. Because why he said, you seek Jesus, which was crucified. You notice he didn't say, why you didn't look for the man who is alive? Or why he, he could have said that, or he could have said, are you looking this for Jesus? But there's something he said through the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit and God orchestrates this. He was letting us know that the cross was not out of the equation. He was letting us know that, yes, there is a great resurrection, but the cross is still involved no matter what. Because Paul uses that phrase. If you look at Galatians, Paul said that we preach Christ and him crucified. So the Lord through the angels letting people know, hey, the cross is not out. The cross is still there for salvation with this. So I find that's pretty amazing how it all goes together. And it says, verse 6, he is not here. For he is risen, and he said, come and see the place where the Lord laid. Now, if you read the Gospel of John, not at this account, but you read the Gospel of John, his account, that Jesus was wrapped. And pretty much his wrap was still there. And there was no struggle either that, you know, when you see somebody tear something, you tear, there was a struggle there. But in this case, Christ just slowly went out of it. Actually, it was still intact. His, like the, the, what they buried him in. It was still intact. It was still there. So he just squeezed out of it pretty much without no trouble. So the evidence was there that he was alive. Go quick and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, go, goes before you unto Galilee, and there you seek, ye shall seek him. And lo, I have told you. Now, this is one thing that we should remember Two things, well, there's other things, but one, two things I want to tackle that the angel told him. See and tell. Other words, as a Christian, when you see God move or you, 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 you have experience in your life, you know, and you know Christ, you ought to, like, see what God is doing in your life and then tell others about it. See, a lot of times we keep it to ourselves a lot of times. We don't tell people much. You'd be surprised how much... And then there's a balance sometimes, like when you're at work or you're at certain places, you have to be careful because there are rules and regulations. But you'd be surprised how many Christians don't witness about the death and burial of Christ, or they don't witness at all of their faith. You'd be surprised how many don't share it. But here the angels tell them, go tell the good news to everyone. Don't keep it to yourself. And it says, the testimony of the women, of verse 8, and they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy. Uh, did, run, uh, did run to bring his disciples' word. As they went to, this, to his disciples, behold, Jesus met with them, saying, Hail, and they came and hailed him by their feet and worshiped him. So now Jesus is appearing to them. Jesus is more eyewitnesses accounts. Jesus is saying, I'm risen. I'm, I'm here. I'm alive forevermore. And then he said unto them, Be not afraid. Go and tell my brethren that they go unto the Galilee, and there they shall see me. Now, this is something how the Lord is gracious like this. Because remember, they banded him. I mean, they, 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 they went hide like some rats. They went hide and closed, locked some doors because of the military authorities at that time. So normal people would tell him when he told Mary Magdalene this, 
normal, he would, normal uh, uh, people like us would say, you know what, go tell those dirty rats to come meet me somewhere, you know, or he, he didn't do that, you know, he didn't say, you know, those jerks that left me behind when I needed them, they fled, you know, and ran, but God is gracious and God is good and merciful, and he told him, says, you know, he was giving them another chance like he does with us, and he's like, you know, go and tell them that we can, we can have communication again. Tell them that, you know, yes, y'all did wrong, but we can come back again. We can make things right. And now there's something else I want to uh, get to the point right here. The report of the soldiers, verse 11. Now when they were gone, behold, some of the watch, talking about the soldiers, came to the city and showed unto the chief priests and all the things that were done. And when they were assembled with the elders, they took counsel and they gave them large large money unto the soldiers. So this what happened was, yeah, they, they bribed them. That's what happened. And what happened was, like I said earlier, back then you would have been killed. If you were a guard and you slept on duty, you would have been killed back then. The reason why it's like that, because if you read in the book of Acts, when Apostle Paul and uh, Barnabas, well, no, Stephen, I'm sorry, Stephen, they were locked up in jail. And when the earthquake came and, and, and God set them free, that Roman soldier was about to kill himself because he knew by Roman law he should have been killed. Then Apostle Paul comes out and says, don't kill yourself. We're all here because Apostle Paul knew the Roman law as well. So this tells you right here that these men had to come up with something because by Roman standards, Pontius Pilate should have had them killed. So they knew that. So they had to cock up some kind of scheme to get out of it, saying, uh, saying, you say his disciples came by night and stole away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will pursue him and sure you. So they took the money as they was taught, saying, uh, commandly reported among the Jews until this day. Now, I want to say something that's kind of, you know what I said earlier, that the resurrection is one of the things that's out of all Jesus' ministries in life, other than him and the death, it's been attacked. Resurrection has been attacked more than, than anything by atheists, more than anything in the world. Sure. This subject's been attacked a lot. And, court, and still to this very day in the Jewish communities, they still believe there's a lie. They still believe that the disciples came and sold the body of Christ. And another thing today, the lie is still going on today because if you hear a lot of atheists, and I heard a lot of stories, some stories you can imagine, some things you can't imagine. One of the famous uh, theories they come that Jesus was a fake, that Jesus, all this was a, was a, was a crock. They, one of the things they try to say, and this is a famous one, that Jesus, when he was on the cross, he had so much beating and so much, you know, he was so tired what happened, they thought he died. Talking about the people that are around the cross. That's what the atheists are, people who attack the resurrection. That's what one of the things they try to say, that Jesus was exhausted, that he, he was tired. And back then, when some people did certain things, they didn't know they died. Matter of fact, uh, back in the day, because uh, people would die, and they kind of found out when they buried them, they weren't dead, some of them. Because, like I said, they didn't have the technology that we have today to know if someone for sure died. So back then, they had to put bells on people's, uh, true story, they had to put bells in graveyards where the person was, was at. Because just in case that they died, they would ring a bell so the man, the man or the lady can come dig them back up so they wouldn't smother the dead. So that's where, it's a true story, it is. Matter of fact, that's where, uh, that's where they get this idea of zombies, where your movie zombies or whatever, that's where they got the idea from, it's a true story. So anyway, so they, that's what the atheists try to say, kind of similar, they say, well, Jesus, they thought he was dead, 
And yeah, he passed out. They put him in the grave. And then all magically, he recovered. He came back up. And he, he got out the tomb. And, and he was okay after that. But there's a lot of, there's a lot of strong arguments that's pretty wrong here. One, number one, Jesus was pierced. So according to, I'm not a scientist or a medical person, but if you kill somebody in the head or the heart, they're gone. They, I mean, you got, you got no chance. I mean, they're dead. No matter if you hit them in the right spot, they're dead. So Jesus was piercing the heart. So how can this man do all that when he was piercing the heart and bleeding to death? Yeah, yeah, and, and he rolled the stone away. And that was the magic part. He rolled the stone away. Weak like he was, he rolled the stone away. And like, nah, that... That, that, that don't make no sense. The other best one I heard, I didn't hear this one. It's kind of funny. It's not funny, but it is in a way. That they said that the one who buried Jesus, uh, Joseph of yeah, they said that he buried Jesus in there, but he wanted his tomb back for him and his family. So they said he went and he grabbed Jesus' body and he put it in another tomb, and they thought he was resurrected. Indian give up pretty much what they're trying to say. You know, he just changed his mind and he moved Jesus to another location. You're like, like why, why he would go to all that trouble? All he had to tell was somebody, move it. Like he would have got his servants to say, look, you just move it. And you just move the, you know, you just move the, the, uh, the body for me. That's all he had to do. He didn't have to go out there and sneak and take it out. The best one is that the disciples stole the body. And that's what they were trying to say. They were trying to say the disciples stole the body. Well, there's a lot of problems with that theory, too. Number one, there was a bunch of armed guards, and these guards were ordered to kill. I mean, they were trained to kill. And, I, and you read the Bible, the disciples were locked up like a bunch of rats. They were hiding. Yeah, they were scared. So how can some men all of a sudden that rejected Jesus all of a sudden go out there and steal a body? It, it wouldn't make no sense. And, it, it, and then another thing, too, these soldiers said, well, while we were asleep, they stole the body. Well, then how you know they stole the body if you're asleep? It don't make no sense, does it? Think about it. I mean, when you're sleeping, you don't, you don't notice nothing when you're sleeping half the time. Most of you are hard sleeper. So it don't make any sense why this story could have been true. So I can go on and on. There's so many stories I heard of, of people trying to deny the resurrection, but it just don't add up. But he did resurrect. They say that every time Satan attacks the cross or the resurrection or Christ, you know there got to be some truth to it. Why they don't attack Muhammad? Why they don't attack Buddha? You know, they never attack. It's always Christ, the resurrection or the death of Christ or Christ himself that they attack. Yeah, because it was true. Because you attack something so hard like that if it wasn't true. I wouldn't waste my time attacking something that I, I don't know is true. So that's what happened here. And... Um, we're going to finish up 16. Then the 11 disciples went unto Galilee and to a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when he saw him, they worshiped him. But some, watch, some doubted. You know, this is another thing why the Bible can be relied on. If you look at other cultures, you look at other people who are trying to promote a religion, everything is great. Like Islam, Muhammad was great. You think Muhammad was like, the greatest to Muslims, he was the greatest saint on the planet, and he wasn't, by the way. But uh, in um, Mormonism, and, 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 and I can go on and on, they make it sound so great. They make it sound like it's wonderful. They, there's no flaws. They're like Superman, you know. There's no flaws in our leaders, you know. They were perfect. They were great, you know. But this is something that amazing. He said some worship, but some doubt it. There's not a happy after ending, pretty much. There's some, hey, they believed, and some they didn't. 
So when you're in the world, most of you are Christian, you have to accept that. I have to learn that personally. When you're on the job site or when you're, um, or you're just witnessing the people, you will have some that will be interested, some will believe, and there's some that won't, no matter how much evidence you bring to them and stuff. So as a Christian and as a pastor, teacher, or Christian in general, you have to be encouraged that, hey, some of my family members will reject, but there will be some that they probably won't. So that encourages you. To know that you're not, if they, if Jesus couldn't get everybody, you know, what makes you think you're going to get everybody or people won't reject you? So this is pretty interesting right here. So I liked how Matthew did this. So that's how you know the word of God is the word of God. It, it don't, it don't, it don't make itself look good. I mean, it's good, but it don't, it shows the downfall of men. Other words, if you read the Bible, like David, you just don't hear David's good side all the time in the Bible. You hear David's bad side. But if the Bible was a fake or the Bible was just another religion, they will put everybody as good. They will put David like he, they will leave all David's sins out. They were like, David was a holy, righteous man. He never did nothing wrong. And so God allows that to show people the word of God is the word of God because they also show the faults of men. So I find this is pretty interesting right here. And it says, verse 18, and Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, all power is given to me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I command you. And lo, I'm with you always to the ends of the earth. And that's the thing with Christ they were here. He gave them a promise that I will always be with you. You know, Christ will never leave you or forsake you. He made that promise to us in the Word of God. That's one of the promises we can look up to when we have hard times or trouble. Say, lo, I will be with you always. And teach people. You see, that's the thing about us Christians. We're not supposed to keep it here. You know, you know the, the secular world will say separation of church and state. Keep everything in the church and, 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 and keep it to yourself. But don't go out there and tell nobody that that's not Christian. That's not biblical. Because we're supposed to not just keep it here, but we're supposed to go out there and share it there. 